Abraham believed God, and he did whatever God said. God told Abraham that he would be given his own land, what we now call Israel. When God told Abraham to leave his homeland of Ur, Abraham believed God and followed wherever God led. God called his obedience righteousness. Fast forward several thousand years and we discover that God still counts our obedience as faith, and he considers this faith as righteousness. In other words, we are saved because we believe God. God tells us to put our faith in his son. We know from history that God kept his promise to Abraham and that his offspring did eventually enter the promised land. Today, in the year 2017, we still enter the promised land by putting our faith in God. That promised land is the kingdom of God. The only test we have to pass in order to enter the kingdom of God is to believe in Jesus and his work on the cross. Good morning, everyone. So uh, yesterday, we, uh, well, actually, I, I just read an article that said that, that there's very few mosquitoes in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Did anybody see that article? Yes, is someone, anybody saying hallelujah or praise the Lord about that? Yeah. They said that the mosquito traps are empty. Well, Denny and I went to uh, the men's retreat yesterday just for the day to White Lake, and I found all the mosquitoes. They're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor men, I tell you, they said it, it once. Once the sun set, I mean, you just, you you could just like swat hundreds of them just just putting your head through the air like that. So, anyways, we got to pray for those poor men that they'll heal from the mosquito bites. And I can't tell you that I regretted coming home uh, at the end of the day. <laughs> so, anyways, they're coming home right now, and I, from all that I've seen and heard, they've had just a fantastic time. So. Uh, that's where so many of our men are today. But we're continuing, uh, continuing our series, uh, our summer school series. Cross Church goes to summer school, and it's a summer school of faith. And um, this summer, we want to help and encourage everybody to learn what it means to say yes to God. And uh, I wonder if you could just say that with me. Just say, uh, yes, Lord. Go ahead, say it. Yes. Oh, that's good. I always love to have Ray in the service. Ray, I'm going to start paying you to come to all the services. Yeah, so I just love his exuberance. But we want to learn how to say yes, yes to God. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I think all of us up here would say, yeah, that's right. We have to say yes to God. I agree with that, Pastor. That's good preaching. That's good teaching. I'm 100% in favor of saying yes to God. But the fact of the matter is, is that so often the way we live our lives does not reflect that. Would, would, would you agree with that? Yeah, that's right. And so this summer, this summer, hopefully, and we're really praying and hoping that there'll be a real transformation in our lives, that we will learn what it means to say yes to God every time. And uh, for some of you, God's been speaking to you, and he's been telling you things that you need to work on, things that you need to do. And... Um, yeah, maybe there's some changes that you need to make. Maybe, maybe God wants you to go on a missions trip to, to Burundi. I don't know. Um, but God's speaking to you, and you've been saying no to God, and God's saying, trust me in this. Just trust me. I'm going to help you. I'm going I'm to help you raise the funds so you can get there. Uh, I love to hear Deb Barrett's story. 
because she said, there's no way I can afford to go. And we just said, just try it. I think maybe it was Andrew or, or Heather that was really just sort of just saying, just trust God, just trust God, and it'll all come together. And now this will be your third, fourth trip, uh, fourth missions trip, and she's going to be going this January, Lord willing. So we're just so excited about that. But she said yes to God. And the amazing thing, folks, is when you say yes to God, God says yes to you. And he's going to help you. He's going to meet your needs. He's going to help you do the thing that he called you to do. For some of you, uh, God's been after you to read the scriptures, read through the whole Bible. And hopefully this summer will mark the beginning of, of a brand new way of operating. And perhaps you'll learn what it means to start reading scripture every day. Some of you got finances that are out of control that need to be controlled, um, health problems, whatever. You need to change your diet, change the way you function, uh, the way you live. We're praying that this summer will be a turning point. It's a summer school of faith. Now, why do we go to summer school? It's because we didn't learn the lessons we were supposed to learn when we were supposed to learn them. So here we are this summer. We're learning what it means to say yes to God to believe him and do what he says. What is the definition of faith again? Believe God and do what he says. So when God speaks to you, you do what he says. You say, Pastor Alan, will God speak to me in an audible voice? Well, he might, but my experience is that he usually just speaks to me through his word, and he tells me what I'm supposed to do, and then I need to do it. I need to believe God and do what he says. So today what we're doing is we're looking at Abraham. Now, the problem with looking at Abraham, who arguably, is the most important person in the Bible when it comes to faith, in terms of the way that he lived it out. Uh, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is a big subject that really is hard to cover in just one morning. But what I'm going to do is I want to look at a couple of the tests that God gave Abraham, and I want you to see how he passed those tests so that God was able to use him and work in him, but even more than that, was able to bless Abraham. We know that God's promise to Abraham is that, first of all, he would make his offspring too numerous to count, like the sand on the seashore, too numerous to count. And we know also that God said that his offspring, that Abraham's offspring, would be a blessing to all the nations and that all nations would be blessed because of his offspring. And of course, we know that it's, it's primarily referring to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who came through Abraham's line. But we also see, folks, that God says that he will curse those who curse Israel. And so we see so many blessings attributed to and, um, and connected to Abraham. So let's, this morning, just look, first of all, at Abraham, God's, God's testing in his life. And how many know today that God, God tests us all the time? Does everybody know that? And if you are in the middle of a test right now, don't be discouraged. Don't, don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. Just say, God, thank you for this test. See, Pastor Ron, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I've never been thankful for a test or an examination. But here's what James tells us in James chapter 1. He says he, he counts it joy. He's like, it's excited about the fact that God is testing his faith because he says that he knows that when his faith is being tested, that God is, is processing him. He's in the process of making Abraham complete so that he lacks nothing. Now, wouldn't you, how many want to be complete lacking anything? Anybody like that today? I mean, that's me. 
That's my heart's desire. Every day, God, I want, I want all that you have for me. I want to be complete, not lacking anything. Well, this is what we see in Abraham's life. So we are looking at Hebrews chapter 11 this summer. And the interesting thing about Hebrews chapter 11 is that a, a full quarter of that chapter uh, concerns verses about Abraham and his family. So again, we can't read all of it, but here's what I want you to, to recognize, what I want you to see, is that Abraham was a man who believed God and was willing to do whatever God said. And I want you to know something else today. God is still looking for those kinds of people. God is looking for people who will say, yes, Lord, I believe you, and I'm going to do what you say. Now, how do we know that a person really believes God? Very simply, they do what God says. So, you know, you could sit here today and you can argue with me, I believe God, I believe God, I believe everything he says, I believe in the Bible, I believe. But if you don't do it, then you don't really believe it. Did you hear that? If you're not doing what this book says, then you cannot claim to believe it. Can I say it again? If you're not doing what God tells you to do in his word, then you cannot claim to believe it or to believe in it. I'm going to show you this in just a few moments. But if you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're looking at verses uh, 8 to 10. And then we're going to skip down to verses 17 to 19. By the way, next week we're going to look at... at um, Sarah, Abraham's wife. This is why we're skipping a few verses. So here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land that God promised him, he lived there by faith because he didn't own it yet. For he was like a foreigner, living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. But we're going to move on now to verse uh, 17. And it says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Did you hear that? It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. We'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But there it is. God is testing Abraham. And folks, God's testing Abraham years after the initial calling. Isn't that interesting? Because you think, well, you know, when you first become a Christian and you, you're tested and, and then you finally graduate from high school and then no more tests for the rest of your life. The interesting thing about Christianity is that as long as you are a Christian, you're always in school. You're in school for the rest of your life. Now, that does sound kind of depressing, doesn't it? But the fact is, folks, is that we are constantly learning. We're constantly growing. You know, if you told me when I first started the ministry that when I was 55 years old, I would, I would be learning some of my biggest lessons, I just couldn't have believed that. I would have thought, by the time I'm 55, I'll be mature and complete, and I'll have it all together. No. I'm still learning, I'm still growing. And I don't know if there's anybody else here today that would maybe over 55 that'd say, yeah, that's me, I'm still learning and still growing. Anybody else like that? Oh, we got a lot of 55 year olds here. (laughs) 
And so it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. In other words, God's saying it's through Isaac's line that God would fulfill all his promises. And so God's saying, okay, Abraham, sacrifice your son. Abraham's like, how's this going to work? How, how is God going to fulfill his promise of, of giving me numerous offspring if God wants me to kill off my only son, my only son? And then it says here that Abraham reasoned, that is, thought it through. He reasoned that if Isaac died, then God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Now, you're going to see in just a few moments that what God asked Abraham to do had prophetic uh, significance, very powerful significance. So let's stop and consider for a moment that when God asks you and I to do something, when God calls us to do something, it usually has ramifications far beyond what you and I could even imagine. It's going to impact our lives. It's going to impact our children and our grandchildren in ways that we couldn't imagine. When my grandparents became Christians, I'm sure they had no idea of what was to come. And now, four generations and five generations later, their offspring, their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren are serving the Lord. You see the ramifications of your obedience and your faith in God. So, Adam and Eve were told by God, you can eat anything you want in this garden. The only tree that you must not eat from is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Satan comes along, and I'm going to tell you, folks, when you're being tested, Satan is right there on your doorstep, just eager to get in there to throw you off track. God says, don't eat, that, don't eat from that tree. You can eat anything you want, just don't eat from that tree. Now, I want you to stop and consider for a moment something really, really significant and important. God said, don't eat from that fruit. Whatever the fruit was, we don't know what it was. But let's say it's an apple, because that's what everybody thinks. For Adam and Eve, it was evil for them to pull that apple off the tree and eat it. Did that apple have magic powers? We don't know what that apple or what that fruit had. But God said, don't eat from that tree. To eat from that tree was horrible, horrible evil. Again, Adam and Eve did not understand the ramifications of their behavior. They did not think of what it would do to their children or their grandchildren or their great-grandchildren. They had no idea what it, would what it would do to this earth or what it would do to this world. But you see, in that moment, rather than believing God and doing what God said, they said, hmm, Satan's here telling us that God's trying to hold back from us, that God doesn't want us to have the best. God loves us, but only so much. I mean, you're going to find that. Satan, that's how Satan will speak to you. He'll say, God loves you, cares about you, but, you know, look what you're missing out on. Has, God, has Satan ever said that to you? Look at your missing out. Or look at your friends. You're having a ball, and you're holding back, and you're not participating, and you're not involved, and you're not joining in, and you're missing out. 
That's really what Satan was saying to Adam and Eve. You're not eating from that fruit. And man, you could be like God. You could know the difference between good and evil. God's holding out the best from you. And so Adam and Eve, rather than believing God, they believed Satan. They took that fruit and they ate it. And you know what happened? Instantly, they died spiritually. Instantly, there was a distance between them and God. Remember, they were created to walk with God. They were created for fellowship with God. But now suddenly, because of their disobedience, because they do not have faith, because they do not believe God, because they were not willing to do what God said, they were separated from God. And we know what happens. God declares judgment on Adam. He declares judgment on Eve. And then he declares judgment on the snake. And here's what God says. By the way, that's Abraham, another Polaroid. And God says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Now, you need to see that, her offspring, really significant. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is what we call the first evangel evangelical message, the Proto-Evangelium. And this speaks, folks, of Jesus Christ who will crush the head of Satan even as Satan strikes the heel of Christ. Satan thought that when Jesus went to the cross that that was the end of Jesus. What Satan didn't know is that the very thing that Satan was using to try to destroy Jesus was the thing that destroyed him. Wow. So, what has all this got to do with Abraham? Well, I've underlined that phrase, her offspring. Who is her offspring? Does anybody know today? Who is the offspring of the woman that is going to crush the head of Satan. Well, we know it's Jesus, the Messiah, right? Where would he come from? And this is where our story about Abraham become, begins. Jesus comes from the offspring of this great man of faith called Abraham. Just take a look at him. Doesn't he look like a man of faith? Looking to God. I don't know if it does or not, but I like the picture. Adam and Eve did not believe God and did not do what God said, but Abraham did believe God and did do whatever God said. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, I want us just to stop and think about this for a moment. He's living in an age, no trains, no automobiles, no phones, no texts, no emails, no cars, no vehicles, none of the things that we would take for granted. You know, there's so many things that we take for granted living in this world. No bank accounts, no ATMs, no way to get, you know, Western Union to wire you money if you're in need. God says, Abraham, pack it all up and go. And when God told Abraham to leave his homeland, the homeland of Ur and the city of Haran, 
The Bible says that Abraham believed God and followed God's leading. And so here we have, a, again, another Polaroid of Abraham with his family. And I want, I want to show you that because oftentimes we think of Abraham leaving his home now. We just think of Abraham, Sarah, and Lot, his nephew. But in fact, Abraham is loading up all his servants and his servants' wives and their children, all of his, all of his livestock. I don't see where Sarah is in there. Maybe right behind his left shoulder there, I don't know. But it seems like all the, all the women, the servant women, are all riding on camels with their children. But I wanted you to get a picture of this, of what a big, big to-do this was. And this was. This was a major, major undertaking. Abraham is leaving behind everything, leaving behind his family, his relatives, uh, his religion, his, uh, everything. He's leaving it all behind. And uh, I want you to see this. So he travels, he, he travels from Ur of the Chaldeans up to Haran. Um, the interesting thing, folks, is when you go to Genesis chapter 11, the last paragraph of, of Genesis chapter 11 shows his father. His father actually is, gets as far as Haran, but then he stops there. Uh, the question is this, did God originally speak to his father and tell his father that he needed to do this? And his father said no. Whatever the case may be, Abraham said yes. And so we find Abraham leaving Ur, and this was, that was part of ancient Sumeria, and uh, what is now modern-day Iraq. And if you follow the arrows, you see him coming to a place in Canaan, which was, wasn't Israel yet, it was just Canaan. It was not given to his offspring yet. And there he lives really as a foreigner, as an alien. He doesn't have a passport. He's He's not included as one of the people of the land. He is really a a foreigner, a stranger living in a strange land. Now, the question is this. Why does God want him to leave Ur? Why does God want him to go to Canaan, even though God's not giving Canaan to him right away? Why must Abraham, leave his family and leave his country. Why can't God just do his work in his life right where he is? You ever wonder that? God wants to do a work in my life. He doesn't have to send me off to the desert. I don't have to go you know, live up north away from human beings. But for some reason, God wants Abraham to leave Ur, Haran, and he wants him to go to Canaan. I'll tell you why, folks. First of all, it's because God wants to do a work in Abraham's life. God wants Abraham to understand that God is his sufficiency. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now, because this is one of the first things that you are going to learn as a Christian, is that God wants to be number one in your life. He does not want you leaning on anything or anyone else. Did you hear me this morning? God wants you to learn what it means to trust him and him alone. Our tendency, when we're being tested, is to go back to what we know, go back to what's familiar. Remember, the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, they were being tortured and beaten and working day and night. And as soon as the going got tough, as soon as they were being tested, what was the first thing they said? We want to go back to Egypt. 
And Moses is like, are you kidding me? You want to go back to the place where your lives are threatened? That if you went back right now, you'd be put to death? As far as they were concerned, going back to Egypt was not as bad as being tested. And some of you this morning are feeling that very thing. I want to go back to what's familiar. I want to go back to what I know. And God's saying, listen, pass this test, my son. Pass this test, my daughter. And see the great things that I've got in store for you. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Because some of us right now are, are maybe just feeling like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can live this Christian life. I don't know if I can do what God's calling me to do. And Satan's busy nattering in your ear, trying to convince you to not listen to God, not to do what God says. Well, there's something else. In the land of Haran and Ur, there is what we call the, the major deity. His name was, if you can believe it, Sin, S-I-N. Another name for him is Nana. And both are kind of strange, but there it is. And he was the moon god. And you'll see in this, uh, in this tablet, just above the king's head, the king is seated, seated on his throne there, uh, you'll see that, that representation or that, that presence of the god of, of the Sumerians. His name is Sin. And standing before the king is, uh, is a goddess with a robe holding the hand of the governor. And the, 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 the goddess is bringing that governor before the king. And, and that sort of was that governor. This whole, this whole tablet is this governor's um, a symbol of authority. But I want you to see that significantly placed within this tablet, right in the center, is that crescent moon. And that crescent moon represents the God of Samaria, the God and the religion that God wanted Abraham to get away from. Let, again, let the Spirit of God speak to you. By the way, did you notice that it's a crescent moon? Does that ring any bells? I'm not going to say it, but if you're not sure, you can talk to me about it later. God says, Abraham, you've got to get away from this God. You've got to get away from this religion. You've got to get away from the influence of this religion. Do you want to know something? This God's sin represented by that crescent moon, he was called, watch this, the father of the gods. He was called the chief of the gods. He was called the creator of all things. Does that ring a bell? Does that sound like our God? Here's what you need to know about Satan. Satan is a deceiver. He is a counterfeit. And God is saying to Abraham, you need to get away from the religion of your homeland. You need to have a fresh start. And I'm going to tell you that today. This is what God is saying to you. You've got to leave behind your old gods, your old, old religion, your old ways, and you've got now to embrace fully the God of Abraham. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of God. And so Abraham, the Bible says, believed God and did what God said. Abraham left behind every influence that would hinder his relationship with God. He left behind every influence that would influence him away from God. Here's what Satan wants to do. Here's what the systems of this world want to do. Here's what everybody who is not a follower of Jesus Christ wants to do. They want to influence you away from your God. Did you hear that? And you'll find that. 
The minute you take a stand for Jesus Christ, the minute you say, I'm going to follow God, you're going to find yourself tested immediately. There's going to be people who come along and say, you don't really believe that. And are you really leaving behind your Catholic roots? Are you really believing, leaving behind your, your Hindu roots, your Buddhist roots? Are you leaving behind all this? But that's what you do if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. God calls you out and says, you've got to leave it behind. You've got to come and leave behind your old way of living, your old pagan ways, your old evil ways, your old sinful ways. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, God makes no exceptions. Did you hear that? There are no exceptions. You say, this sounds like a hard religion. Who on earth could ever be a Christian? Precisely. That's precisely correct. Unless the Spirit of God enables you and quickens you and strengthens you and makes it possible for you to follow Jesus Christ, it's impossible for you to be a Christian. Did you hear that today? You do not decide to follow Jesus. Jesus calls you unto himself, and then he enables you by his Spirit to believe the truth, and then he enables you to do what he tells you to do. This is the power of the gospel this is the importance of the coming of the Holy Spirit. He enables you to live this life that he's called you to live. But interestingly, you still have to say yes. You still have to say, okay, I'm going to do it. God says, I'm giving you, look at this. We see this in the scripture over and over again. You've got everything you need to live a holy life. God's giving you his Holy Spirit. He's giving you instructions. He's giving you guidance. You've got the word of God. And the Holy Spirit's prompting you, strengthening you. All you have to do is say, yes, God, I'm willing to do it. Every trace of Abraham's old life, his old ways, his old religion had to be erased so that God could do a brand new thing in the world. Now, something very interesting that you need to do, you need to go back and look, not right now, but go back and look at Genesis 10 and 11, and you're going to see the, what we call the table of the nations. Now, watch, this is so important to understand, is that every, every one of the nations is listed in that table of nations. The only nation that is not listed in the table of nations is the Jews, is the Israelite people, the offspring of Abraham. Why is that? Because they didn't exist yet. And here's the important thing that you need to see. In the table of nations, every one of those nations is assigned their own God, God with a small g, their own uh, spiritual influence, if you will. God is not assigned to any of them because God has a different plan. And I don't know about you, but I got chills going up and down my spine right now as I'm telling you this. God says, I'm going to create for myself a new nation, a new people, because it's going to be out of that new nation that I'm going to send a Messiah to this world, the second Adam. The first Adam and Eve, they failed in the garden, but there's a second Adam coming. The second Adam, his name is Jesus Christ, and he is coming from a brand new nation, and that's a nation that's created from the offspring of Abraham. Wow. And that's what's happening here, folks. And God says, I've got to create a brand new nation, a brand new people with a brand new religion, a brand new God. And Abraham says, I'm willing to do, God, whatever you want me to do. Abraham leaves behind his old religion, his false religion. I'm going to tell you, folks, it's here. When Abraham leaves, Ur, leaves Haran, 
when Abraham leaves behind this nation, he is separating himself from these evil influences. And I want you to see something here, folks. This is the beginning of what we call holy living. They, he separated himself from among the nations. He separated himself from his family, his relatives, from his friends, from anybody who could influence him away from God. You see, does God still require that of us today? And the answer is absolutely yes. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Paul says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and what? Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. That's exactly what Abraham does. He separates himself from his family, his friends, and from the old religion. He becomes the new creation, the father of a brand new religion, a religion that calls for faith in God and obedience to God. Faith is believing God and doing what he says. Abraham passed that test. And what we do know is that it's through the seed, the offspring of Abraham, that our Messiah comes to us. I want you to see something here, folks. It's through your obedience, your willingness to believe God and do what he says that the Messiah comes through you to your friends and family, the people in your life. But as long as you are being influenced by them, you cannot be the source of the gospel to a broken, hurting world. You need to understand that God is calling you to be an influence. And so Abraham is a father of faith because he sets for us that example. We get a hint of God's intentions early in Abraham's life. Look what it says here. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Does that ring a bell at all? His only son. There's Abraham, and there's Isaac. Powerful picture, isn't it? And I know some people would say, what kind of a bloodthirsty, ridiculous, barbaric God would call for that? Well, folks, if you read the story, you'll discover that, in fact, just as Abraham is prepared to obey God and do what he says, to believe God and do what he says, the angel of the Lord holds back Abraham's killing instrument and says, uh, God was testing you. He wanted to see whether you would be willing to give your only son. Folks, what we see here in the, in the father of our faith, the father of the Jews, but we see here now the father of the Christian faith. We see a father prepared and willing to give his only son. This, my friends, is a picture of what God intended to do 2,100 years later when God the Father gave his only begotten son. Do you see this? This is a picture of God giving us Jesus Christ. And in that moment when the angel pulled back Abraham's hand and said, don't do it, there caught in the thicket was a ram. And Abraham speaks prophetically and he says that the Lord will provide a ram. And we know that that's Jesus. 
Abraham was speaking of the coming of the Messiah. Didn't fully understand the, the implications, the ramifications of it, but he understood that God was providing a sacrifice. And really, that's what this is all about. We've all learned this in Sunday school. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Some of you are not familiar with that language. But I wanted to say it in, in, in I wanted you to see this afresh. It's a new translation that you're not familiar with. I want you to see afresh that God is giving us his only son. Look at that, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so we have a picture, folks. Back at Abraham offering Isaac, we have a picture of the coming Messiah. 2,000 years before Jesus arrives on the scene. I'm gonna tell you, God, there's no, there's, there, there are no coincidences in Scripture. God has got a plan in place. And the interesting thing, folks, is that nothing has really changed. It still requires faith. You still have to believe God and do what he says. You wanna have eternal life? You need to believe in the one that God has sent, his son. You've gotta put your faith in him so that you would have eternal life. Folks, I want you to see that once again, Abraham passed the test. God wants to use you and you and you. Would you tell the person beside you, God wants to use you? Go ahead, tell them that. Yeah. What does he want to use you for? God wants to use you to bring a message of his love to a broken and hurting world, a world that is in bondage to evil, to wickedness and sin. But what you and I are going to have to learn to do is we're going to have to learn to say yes to God. We're going to have to learn to believe him and do what he says. Abraham understood that the things of this world are not, this is not what he's living for. The writer of Hebrews tells us so eloquently in verse, verse 10 of Hebrews 11, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. That's what Abraham was looking for. You know, he, he moved to Canaan, but he never did own that land. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham was confident and was at peace, at rest with this. Why? because Abraham had a view of eternity. And what's gonna change you and I and, under, and help us to understand God's plan in our lives and God's working in our life is understand God's eternal plan. What's he seeing? Look at this, this is so amazing. This is Abraham, the father of, 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 of us all. Those of us who have faith. Abraham was seeing the end. And we see in, I don't see it up there, do we see, have uh, Revelation, uh, we don't have Revelation 21, 10 to 14. Let me read it to you here, folks. So Jesus took me, that's John, in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me that holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. This is Revelation 21, 10 to 14. Abraham, our father, goes back over 4,000 years, is looking forward now to the future. 
He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. That's what Abraham saw. He saw a brand new Jerusalem, a brand new world, a brand new Eden, where God was reigning supremely. I want you to understand today this faith that you have. This is not just a, a religious kick that you're on. It's not just so that when you pray, you can get whatever you want. It's not just so that you've got insurance against hell. You, if you die, you go to heaven. It's more than that. We're looking forward to a time when Jesus Christ will reign supremely. And you and I will serve as his servants, believing him and doing whatever he says. So, my friends, if you're going through a time of testing right now, and you're feeling faint, and you feel like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can pass these tests. I don't know if I can follow God the way he wants me to follow him. I want you to know today that he's given you his Holy Spirit. Abraham didn't have that. You and I have that. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, enabling us to live the life he's calling us to live. What's Jesus calling you to do? What great thing is he calling you and asking you to do? You need to say yes to him today. You say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. God, I want to know what you want me to do. God's calling you to pick up his word and read it again and to study it and be prepared to do whatever he's telling you to do. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we see in... Abraham, a man of faith, our father. We call him Father Abraham. That song that we sang as kids, many sons, we're, we're some of those sons and daughters because we're people of faith. The great test that Abraham passed is he left behind the world, his friends, his family, his old religion, his old way of living. He left it all behind, God, so that you could have his, your way in his life. This morning, Father, as we come before you, we pray that you would work in us and give us the grace and strength to pass this test because some of us right now are being controlled by our family, we're being controlled by our, our friends, we're being controlled by the world, by forces that are not pleasing to you. God, help us today to make that decision to cut out of our lives those things that are drawing us away from you. Help us like Abraham to pass that test. Because God, we recognize at the end of the day that it's through each and every one of us that you want to bring the good news of your love to a broken and hurting world. You used Abraham, and it's through Abraham that Jesus came to us. Nothing has changed over all these years. It's through us that Jesus comes to the people in our lives that need you. And so we commit ourselves to you now, thanking you for your love. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, you've got to leave your old friends and family.